Bibi Fahodier, welcome to the African Liberation Media Podcast. Media solely focused on the liberation and empowerment of African people. I'm your host, Gullah Jack, a.k.a. Russell Swilly. Let's get to it. Bibi Fahodier, this is the African Liberation Media. I'm here with Brother Makaru and Brother... Almost. Today's date is November 22nd, 2019. There's a lot of topics that we can discuss tonight. We are talking about, in particular, the fuel surrounding Colin Kaepernick, Stephen A. Smith, I'm sorry, and the relationship that most African-American athletes have to what we might refer to as the slave side of Sunday, the <laughs> inhumanity of college sports. One of the biggest misnomers in the world today is the concept of the student athlete. We saw a situation here recently where the quarterback, the so-called ambassador of the Alabama Crimson Tide went down. Gentleman Tua, in my opinion, under no circumstances would I have played this young man against the LSU Tigers. This young man was two weeks removed from a uh, surgically repaired knee. This recent injury constitutes his third serious injury in three years. Controversy remains whether or not Nick Saban better known as Benedict Satan, <laughs> or Saban Ben Lion, <laughs> a term coined by Miami writer Dan Lee Battard. <laughs> I think the public would have esteemed Coach Saban more had he not played this young man. So what if he lose the LSU? You possibly would have been given the benefit of the doubt by saying that, you know, uh, conventional wisdom may have insisted that the game would have been won anyway had uh, two have been available. That would have given the kid at least four or five weeks to heal in preparation for the much-anticipated uh, Iron Ball, Iron Bowl uh, between uh, Auburn University, the, the War Eagles, Tigers, and, and, and the Tide. So, um, you know, just some opening thoughts uh, as it relates to the slave side of Sunday, the inhumanity of college sports. Uh, it was almost required reading when I was a young person that we read Meet on the Hoof, out of their league, North Dallas 40, in Black Students, written by the premier sociologist scholar Harry Edwards. Yeah, I remember once my mother told me, in relating to me, the inhumanity of sports, say, boy, you look like my daddy's mule. Mm -hmm. out there. Yeah, I didn't get it back then. But, you know, 40 years removed, 45 years removed from an amateur status as an athlete. I get it now, mother. Uh, so much to do, so little time. We'll turn it over to our, uh, the brothers here, Brother Amos and Brother Macaroo. Well, you know, I watched the press conference where Nick Saban got up and he tried to express his remorse on playing. He said he was sorry for playing 
Tua in the game, uh, I think it was actually the game after the LSU game. They lost to LSU. So they were trying to run the score up on this other team. Yeah. Because yeah. because they wanted to impress the judges to try to get back into playoff contention. Right. But uh, in making his comments, he said, I'm sorry for what happened to Tua, but if I could do it over again, I would have played him because... You know, why not play your best players? You're trying to win the game. So that really shows the mentality of a capitalistic thinker. They really don't have any insight when it comes to actually caring about the people that work for them. It's all about production. It's all about mass production. They want to get the results. So he didn't care about this kid's future or this kid's career. Uh, obviously, because he was more importantly focused on, or more important to him, that is, focused on trying to get to the national championship game. Whereas if he really was a coach to this young man, he would have said, you know what, for the sake of your individual career success, I'm not going to play you while you're already injured. So he plays him. He's already injured. Now he's pretty much lost the opportunity to be drafted high in the first round, which means that he's going to lose a lot of money too as well. Yeah, so, that's assuming anybody even takes a risk on him. Go ahead, Jack. Uh, under no circumstances would I come back to the University of Alabama. And, um, the University of Alabama had a decommitment tonight. One of the top flight wide receivers, a kid by the name of Warsham, has decommitted from the Tide. Uh, if you were to really investigate this program, you would find multiple infractions, I'm sure. You know, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, you know, people in New Orleans insist that many of their kids have been um, have failed a drug test on multiple occasions. I mean, the NCAA is a corrupt system from the top down. Oh, no, I mean, anytime no, no. you have an enterprise where people work for free, but yeah, you generate billions of dollars in revenue off of their production, that's a criminal organization. No, they There's got no the, one of the better slave systems going. Right. And they don't even... They're the not false even, promises of education. Right. You know, and, and you're not even culpable, you know, for financing... Um, the collegiate teams or the collegiate athletes, um, I mean, there's a lot we can say on that for me to receive money, uh, hypothetically, to uh, attend my mother's wake is, a, is an NCAA violation. And the rules are so vague, you know, just depending on a political agenda, they can basically uh, indict anyone, any team, arbitrarily almost. Yeah, analysts that tried to say that it wasn't Nick Nick Saban's fault. It was, the, it was the setup of the structure of the playoff system's fault that forced coaches to try to play games un, in an unnormal fashion. Well, you don't have to succumb. That, that's right. My, you know, I mean, the morality and the player's safety, you know, what you alluded to earlier, you know, should transcend everything else. Right. So, they, uh, I mean, at the point in this game, they were already winning the game 35-7. to 7. So most coaches, once you get up by a big lead, you, you put your you know your bench players in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, the funny thing about it, I watched uh, 
full disclosure, I, I, I do watch SEC football. That's uh, some games now. Not I'm not glued to the set, but I did watch the LSU and Alabama game, and Tua, uh, his performance in that game was nothing short of incredible, playing on one leg, passed for over 400 yards. I guess that says something about LSU's defense. But uh, I was just certain that based on as, as bad as Tua was limping at the end of the LSU game and they were playing Mississippi State the next week, I was just certain. I said, this, 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 there's no way he'll play Tua next week considering that they got, you know, the, uh, the Iron Bowl against Auburn coming up in two weeks. And when I heard, I don't know if I was in the car, had Sports Channel on or on the internet that Tua had been had suffered a serious injury. I said, "What is Tua doing? Even playing? Tua? I, we should give him his credit. Tagovailoa is his name. He's from uh, American Samoa. Uh, Samoa is. I can digress for a minute. You know, white white people carved. <laughs> they carved everything up." So they, they carved the ocean up, the Pacific Ocean, and the the islands that Tua is from is part of what's called Polynesia. Right next to it is what's called Melanesia. Melanesia, obviously coming from the word, from the root word melanin, it includes uh, uh, Papua New Guinea and, and the other islands that would be um, further uh, to the to the east, uh, the eastern part of the Pacific Ocean. Um, but uh, all of these people out there, uh, well, not, not necessarily all of them, but a lot of these people out there are heavy, heavily, heavily mixed. Uh, have a lot of African DNA, uh, you know, in their in their system. So, so the young man who had a bright future. As a player in the in the in the National Football League, which we which we we're going to talk about shortly, uh, certainly was at, at the time one of the top three quarterbacks in NCAA football. Heisman candidate has almost said Saban has him in the game, leading thirty-five to seven in the first half, and. Saban said, Gullah Jack, and you play D1 football, you play quarterback, you know all, you know all about this. Saban said he had Tua in the game practicing a two-minute drill. I mean, this is you you in your ninth or tenth game of the of the season. We saw this kid run a two-minute drill in a in a national championship game. And you got him out there on one leg, and 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 as I watched the replay, uh, he was scrambling out of the pocket, and a normal tour with his speed would have gotten away from the defenders to avoid a hit, most likely, because he was trying to get away from him on one leg, and he got hit, and he suffered a catastrophic hip injury. And anytime anybody that is familiar with sports, anytime we say hip injury, the first person we think about is Bo Jackson. Because Bo, Bo Jackson was never the same. 
after his uh, femur got pulled out of his uh, hip socket on a freak tackle, just a freak tackle. The guy just happened to clip his ankle as he was pulling away on about a 75-yard run. And so this shows that these coaches, 90% of them don't give a flying flip about their, their, their players. They really don't. It's all about them. Saban is making, what, $12 million a year or something like that? I mean, it's, 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 it's so ridiculous uh, to what he did because, quite frankly, now you got to wonder, uh, he could be out for a year. What NFL team is going to take a risk drafting him not knowing, you know, how he's going to be able to play afterwards? I mean, this guy could... I mean, it's it it is it, 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 so absurd and and insane and asinine on the part of Satanic Nick to to do this to to this young man. But it just goes to show, like you said, they believe that just like uh, Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and Andrew Jackson and uh, Roger Taney and. Give me liberty, give me Deaf Henry and uh, Francis Scott Key, all of these enslavers of African people. They believe they didn't care about Africans dying on the plantation. They didn't, they didn't, it didn't, didn't matter if they worked them to death because they believed they had an unlimited supply. They believed they had an unlimited supply of black people from the African continent. Only so, the, go ahead. Only the poor slave owners cared because. <laughs> they didn't have enough money to go back and buy more slaves. But in this case with Nick Saban, it's like a factory assembly line. He knows that every year he's going to recruit and get new players. So the value of this one player to him is only for a short span. It's like college basketball. The players, they recruit players, they know they're going to be one and done. And they're going to go back and recruit more players and bring more players in. So his allegiance is to the, the school the program, and the uh, team winning. In his pocket. In his pocket, which, which all, all of those things that I said, those are what lines his pockets. So he knows that, yeah, this kid got hurt, but next year he'll, he'll be able to recruit somebody else. Um, now, Governor Jack just mentioned that somebody decommitted from the school, possibly because of that situation. But, I mean, they'll blow it over. It'll be more... Young athletes going right back to the slave system of Alabama, just like they're going to go back to the to the slave system of Clemson, LSU, and all of the other uh, NCAA slave system schools. You know, and as I hear you brothers talk, the thing that comes to mind was a point that both of you gentlemen made earlier regarding African leadership. Now, we have all this empirical evidence of the indifference on the part of the European nations, a history that suggests they cannot be trusted. But yet still you have these relationships, these alliances being formed between African leadership, neocolonial puppets, <laughs> and the European states and the heads of states. You know, and, and this, this you know, allows me to uh, reflect on what um, the great Bobby Wright told us that genuine insight into the European mentality brings about no noticeable change in terms of, no correlating change in terms of 
how African people respond. Even when it's in plain sight. Even when it's in plain sight. But I want you to talk talk about uh, Tua's trip over the summer. I, I appreciate that. He, uh, the Tua brought several African-American athletes to uh, Samoa, exposed the brothers to the culture, and uh, excellent documentary where his mother talked about the significance of culture, that he's playing for his religious community, he's playing for the community, he's playing for himself. You know, it goes beyond, you know, his individual uh, desires and the accolades that he can accrue as an individual are, are, are pretty much secondary to a larger community that he owes his allegiance to. And he exposed the brothers to the Samoan ritual and that kind of thing. And undoubtedly, uh, these brothers, I'm sure, had some questions regarding you know, the physicality, because, I mean, I wish I had Van Sertima's works in front of me, you know, to trace the migratory patterns of Africans, because, I mean, like, you know, Brother Macaroo says, I mean, there's no doubt, man. You know, well below, well before the time of Columbus, it's, uh, Africans journeyed to the far reaches of the world. Uh, some documentation we're aware of, but you know, the more we know, the more we realize that we don't know. But I was very impressed with uh, the statements his mother said. She sounded a lot like our esteemed elder Marimba Ani, uh, who articulates beautifully the role of culture. Culture gives you a direction in terms of what you live for. This is Ani talking. Culture gives you direction in terms of what you should die for. You know, she goes on and on to articulate. The this is Tua's mother. This is Tua's mother. Okay. To his mother, far more outspoken than the father, which I also, you know, found interesting. Um, so he had Jerry Judy and all those brothers over there with him. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. That's quite amazing. Yeah. Quite amazing. I know we're gonna get to this cap thing, so I know we're gonna talk about Catholic, but I also want to talk about this Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph fight that took place after we talk about. But what I gotta say about Kaepernick is this, you know, and it went over the head of Stephen A. Ringtail. Uh, I mean, the brother wants to play, but he doesn't want to beg. He's not going to beg to play. You know, it's, uh, it, I find it very refreshing in an age where people are so willing to compromise based on, you know, the financial uh, rewards or the financial carrots that these European systems lay before us that uh, this gentleman is able to, you know, stand up like, you know, Muhammad Ali, like... Uh, no, I don't want to put Catholic with Muhammad Ali. Reminiscent of Ali. <laughs> of course, reminiscent of Ali. Uh, it, 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 in some respects, uh, brother, I would say that Cap is on part in this respect. Ali had an organization behind him. You know, I, I think the organization of the Nation of Islam had a significant influence. Uh, what better teacher than Malcolm X, you know, could one be exposed to? The movement itself during the period of the 60s, you know, out of that context, you know, Ali was able to speak. You know, uh, there's no current movement. Uh, he has no organization. He has no mentor. Uh, comparable to El Hajj Malik El Shabazz. Yeah, all of these factors, you know, uh, 
contributed to Muhammad Ali making his iconic statement, we take parts in no wars on the side of infidels or non-believers. But, yeah, that's just my take on it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, here's my, you know, here's my uh, disagreement with, with Colin Kaepernick. Um, everybody goes through transitions. Everybody goes through learning phases. Everybody goes through learning stages. Mm -hmm. We would think that by this time, Kaepernick would have reached a level of understanding in regards to his consciousness to know what the NFL is, what the NFL stands for, for and what the NFL represents. With that being said, this is short life that we live. We never know what the, tomorrow's going to be our last day. And I feel like Kaepernick is selling himself short to even attempt to continue to even try to play in the NFL. I feel as though with the knowledge that he has, he should have easily, and the money that he has on top of that, because he doesn't need the money. So it's not like he's trying to put food on his table by playing the sport, unless he just loves to play football. Unless he just actually loves the sport, why would you even put your body at risk for an organization or for people that you know represent a system of oppression? Why not just walk away from it, period? I would have been more impressed with Kaepernick if he, if the NFL said, you know, we're going to give you a workout, and if Kaepernick released a statement and said, um, um, Due to my disagreements and and uh, with the NFL and due to the circumstances of African people, I decline this workout and choose to dedicate my time to my race. If he would have said a statement like that, then I'll put him up there with Ali. Mm -hmm. But he he actually wants to be he wants to be accepted by them, even though he's not. Now I'll say this: Yeah, he's not. You know, conforming. Uh, per se, he's not on his knees begging them. Like mm -hmm. you said, he's he's trying to do it his own way. But I feel like he should be past this by now. Remember what happened to Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf in the 90s mm -hmm. when he got kicked out of the NBA, pretty much blackballed. This is before Kaepernick. When he gave his uh, Muslim prayer First, he sat during the national anthem, but then he agreed to give you know his Muslim prayer during the national anthem um, because he didn't agree with what the national anthem, what the American flag represented. He was blackballed out of the league, and if you watch a documentary, he said I was able to accept it because I stood on my morals. I still stand on them today. Mm -hmm. So he he didn't try to go back and you know lobby on why the NBA is blackballing me. Once they blackballed him, um, he pretty much moved on with his life and continued to live life and do things in his life that was positive uh, towards the causes that he wanted to fight for. So when I listened to, um, you know, Colin Kaepernick talking about, you know, the 32 teams, 
and the, and the owners and they're running. Mm-hmm. You know, you're smart enough to know why they not going or why they don't want to sign you, mm-hmm. right? And even if they do sign you, that's not going to change the system of the NFL. So why not spend your time focusing on putting your energy towards something that's going to bring about real power for black people versus just a another athlete being signed to a team that the majority of the fans who come to the game are going to be white. The majority of people watching on TV are going to be mm-hmm. white. You're smarter than that. Just keep it moving. Mm-hmm. I, I think... I think deep down inside, he knows that the NFL is not going to sign him. So why would he do this? And you already won your collusion case. So really, really, you already proved to the people that you already proved to everybody what the system was about. Right? Mm-hmm. Now it's like you're beating a dead horse. Just, just move on with your life and do something better with your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some people have said that 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 his that his angle is to uh, force them back into court because they they agree they they made an agreement out of court. Um, so he he never went to trial to prove collusion, even though. Everybody considers the fact that they agreed to a settlement with him and Eric Reed that it was an admission of guilt. But so he wants a public a public victory in court. Well, but I think what I think what he what he wants, I think what he wants is if he can get them in court, he can suspend he can uh, subpoena transcripts of conversations between, uh, you know, Jerry Jones and uh, Daniel Snyder or whoever and really blow the lid off of these guys and show them and show people what, what they are. Now, is, is it, is it, is it going, what, what, what would it do? Would it change anything? I mean, they ain't, they're not going. But if that's the case, I mean, I get what, I get that angle, but if that's the case, why would you, maybe did it for the money, but why would you, end your case against them. Why not continue to push your case? Well, he had it. He had them by the balls at that time to push the case to the courts. But he chose to not do it for a settlement. Yeah, he chose, he, he, you know, he chose to, he chose to get whatever restitution they offered uh, at that point. You know, we don't, we, you know, we don't know, we don't, we don't know what it was. But, you know, and I, I mean, I think, I think Abdul Roof should have should have taken the NBA on as the court. He had he had a legitimate uh collusion case rather than walk rather than walking away. I mean uh and he actually had NBA executives tell him face to face that that was a reason why. Yeah. It he, was Elgin, Elgin Bell that told him to his face. Yeah, he had he had a collusion case uh that I mean, you have to take whatever victories you can get, and if and if you if you can if you can one if you can say okay, I ain't selling out of court. I'm going to expose you all for everything that you are. Uh, Abdul Roof would probably would have been the person to do that, and you know why he chose not to file a collusion suit and just and 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 just walk away. Um, to me, that was just 
I understand his principles, but at the same time, you're just giving them, you're giving them a victory, and they don't have to, uh, you know, they don't have to go in and, and uh, compensate. And compensate. They don't have to admit that they that they colluded against you to keep keep you out of the league because you chose to uh, stand with your head bowed and your hands cuffed. I mean, what's wrong with that? I mean, what's wrong with doing that? I mean, uh, except for the fact that, as Howard Bryant said, when they get, it's just like any any rebellious African period. You know, not just you know on the uh, the plantations doing chattel slavery, uh, doing uh, American apartheid, doing the Black Liberation Movement. We got to make sure we punish these guys. We got to we got to make an example out of them. You know, mm -hmm. we got to frame Geronimo G. Jaga. We got to arrest uh, Asada Shakur, right? We got to kill Malcolm X. We got to do this. I mean, this this is this is the punishment. I mean, that's why you know, they came up with when after Nat Turner's rebellion in Virginia, they came up with this uh idea of taking an African, cutting his head off. This could be a totally innocent person, cutting his head off and impaling the head on a pole. That's what they did to Bookmark. And placing it, placing it on a road traveled by enslaved Africans. And these were known, these were called blackhead signposts. And there's still a road in Cullen, Virginia, right now, named Blackhead Signpost Road. They wanted to make Colin Kaepernick a Blackhead Signpost. Mm -hmm. Okay? Same same as they uh, punished John Carlos and Tommy Smith mm -hmm. for all these years and finally let him in the Track and Field Hall of Fame, I think, just a couple of weeks ago. And so... And so when 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 you in when 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 you when you fighting this system which is corrupt to the core and you understand what you're up against you have to try to get I I say as much out of them as as you can because Kaepernick has proven and we may not agree with all the organizations he gave money to but he has proven I mean he gave money to this uh a program similar to the Mail's place that a brother has down in Fayetteville um if he can get more money out of them, then you know those are more programs that 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 he can that he can uh, can help. I, I gotta believe I gotta believe he's too smart to just be playing the game of. I don't think he's that smart. I think I, I, I think he is. I, I mean, think, I, I, I think I, Kaepernick. Honestly, when I look at the assessment of Kaepernick and just looking at how he said things over time, I think he's gotten smarter. But I think originally. He didn't know what his position was, which is why he supported LGBTQ, which is why he supported uh, <clears throat> a lot of various other things that are not related. Well, he's to, not a to, nationalist. I mean, so I mean, uh, well, I mean, what I'm saying is that now, you know, I don't know if he would take the same position he took in the past, which could be, you know, his evolving as a person. But I think that when he got into this, he was convinced by by people. He got into something. That that was over his head, but he rolled with it. You know, you, you don't really see Kaepernick talk a lot. He doesn't really seem like a speaker um, or somebody that can really voice his opinion. He 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 almost sounds scripted. Like even when he gave his speech after his workout, it sounded like he thought about everything he's gonna say. 
the night before. And I think that um, he has people in his corner that have contributed to his consciousness, mm-hmm. but I don't look at him personally as an individual. I don't look at him as somebody that is just a smart person. I think that he's going along with it now because he need to invent it. Mm-hmm. Just like when he took the knee or, or, or when he uh, sat down. And I thought that was a compromise at the beginning when the, when the white uh, Navy soldier or, 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 or the military guy said, you know, I feel offended by you sitting, I'd rather you kneel. That was a compromise. I'm not, if, if they see a smart, conscious person would have said, I don't care if it offends you. I, I get offended every day when black people get shot and nothing is done by the system. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to continue to sit right down here on this bench. Yeah. And I don't think I, I mean like I said I mean you know we have to we have to see people in a in, in in a process process of growth so when he started when he started the protest uh, you know had he thought through all of the possible repercussions and and how to how to respond to all of the things that would be coming be coming at him probably not I mean I like you said th- this man didn't have Malcolm X yeah I don't think it, I, I, he I'm didn't have saying, Malcolm training him to I'm not saying uh, he's an idiot. I definitely think he he has. I mean, he's an intelligent person. I'm not saying that he's not, you know. But I, I I just think that he he shouldn't get credit like he is, you know, um, this well studied, you know, African centered thinker. No, we no, no, we're no, not, not we no we're a, not saying that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean nobody no no nobody's saying that that uh, that he's African centered, African centered at all. I mean, what he is is a, is is a he's a symbol. Of of resistance, uh, you know, to a to a particular you know corporate form of of you know oppression and 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 exploitation and you know I think I think this that they have I mean just like obviously he's got a, he's got a lot of very smart lawyers and I I don't know who else is advising him from from the perspective of of of, of consciousness but. They, they, they had this whole. They were, they were three moves ahead of the NFL on Saturday, on they, last Saturday. The lawyers are very, very good about. Yeah, it. they were. They, they, they were three moves. They were three moves ahead of the NFL because once, once the, once the NFL said that they were not going to change the waiver. They had to quickly move to organize an alternative because you got you got you got a chance now to further expose them, and uh, I know Howard Bryant said that obviously they had they had already planned the move, they had already anticipated that the NFL was not going to compromise, not even telling who the receivers were that he would be throwing to, and. They had already set up the school, strategically named after Dr. Charles Drew, right? Um, you know, one of the most brilliant black medical doctors, uh, you know, that we've ever seen. Uh, so, and and that his uh, there was a crowd of pro Kaepernick people in in Kaepernick jerseys already there. Security was already set up. They were three moves ahead of Roger Goodell and Jay Z. Mm-hmm. Three move, three you know, three move, three moves ahead of them. So, but I will say that I think that the way that he handled the situation, it could have been smarter. And I say that because if 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 I was in a situation, and if Kaepernick, you trying to play in the NFL, 
So you, you have this goal of getting back into the league. And, you, and it looks like you have a goal of proving that the NFL is running from the truth. Well, instead of moving a workout, what he should have did was he should have took a copy of that waiver. He should have posted it on social media. He should have posted a list of all the NFL demands in regards to media coverage, video, him not being able to film the workout, everything he had a disagreement with. And then he should have made a statement saying that um, this is why the NFL uh, colluded against me because they're trying to not be transparent in this situation. Mm -hmm. This is the proof of why they're not being transparent in the situation. So what I want to do is until, the, until these things are changed, where everybody can see it is transparent to everybody, I'm not going to work out. Period. And that way, you still expose them, but then none of the naysayers can say, oh, he's just giving up on the workout and, or, or, or this or that, you know. It's a smarter way to handle the situation to where you can really bring them to their knees and mm -hmm. force them to do what you want them to do. Now, me personally, I wouldn't go back to the NFL. But if I was Kaepernick, mm -hmm. that's the way I would have handled the situation. Okay. Yeah, and and I and I think and I think the reason why he went through, I think the reason why he went through with the workout is because he, if he if he walks away and doesn't work out, I think that damages any future collusion possibilities. I don't think so because if you if he if he shows that. Everything I just said, if he shows the waiver, him sign, having to sign away his rights. Well, they've, they've, they've shown that now. It's public now. Yeah, but it, 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 if he showed the fact that he couldn't record, he couldn't ha have media coverage there, mm -hmm. if he showed all of the unfairness that happened with the situation, then people wouldn't look at it like, you know, it's not collusion. It would, It's just a disagreement. Until we can come to an agreement, a fair agreement, then we can't constitute a workout because this is not a normal process that you would take a player through when they're attending a workout. And I think I think I think the other thing is that is that by by moving the workout, he had to see if any teams would go to the workout. He was probably hoping that none of the teams would show up, but seven or eight or how, how many ever showed up at the work. I mean, I think that I think that was all a well thought out strategy. I mean, that's that's that, that's 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 my opinion. I mean, I think I think it was clearly he 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 thought this out, thinking ahead in terms of. I think deep down inside, I think he knows tried to, he tried to pull a to, like how he did with the Hall of Fame. He basically, you know, to said, look. Y'all didn't put me in the Hall of Fame as the first ballot Hall of Famer. I didn't get in my second year. So the hell with your ceremony, I'm going to have my own ceremony mm -hmm. at, at my old college. So he did his own thing. I think Kaepernick wanted to say, okay, I'm going to show the people that I can still play. Yeah. I'm still going to have the workout. It's not like I'm not going to work out. I'm going to actually work out because then people can't say that, you know, or he doesn't want opportunity, but I feel like if he would have did what I said and put all the information out there, mm -hmm. then you could bring clarity to the situation. That's why you have to use social media. One of the reasons Trump won the election 
is because of the way he was able to cut through CNN, MSNBC, mm-hmm. New York Times. He cut all of them out and went straight to Twitter. He can get his message right to the people. I don't need a third party mm-hmm. media company to put my message or, or, or put what they want to put out there as, as regards to how people see me. Mm-hmm. Put your own information out there and state to the people, this is why we are not working out. But you know what I think? I think that I think that by playing it the way he did, I think I think if he if he does that on Saturday, the story dies on Saturday. I think the story I think the story dies on Saturday because Usually because because Thursday. people people are you know all of these people that flew off the handle before they knew all of the facts you know uh, Kingfish Stephen A. Uh, uh, Shannon Sharp, uh, Wiley, uh, Jason Whitelock, all of these people that flew off the handle, if they had had that information, now Whitelock and some of those may have flown, flown off the handle anyway, but if they had had that information right then, then the story dies right then. But, 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 think- but, but, but by, by not publishing that information then and letting, letting all of these uh, people fall into the trap the story has run every day this week on but, sports, you know, on sports networks. Every, every, every day this week, the story has run, and by by dribbling the information out the way they did, now you get an opportunity for you know people like Howard Bryan and others to to go into it and 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 add you know their own analysis of well, what is wh- why is the NFL so interested in punishing this guy so much, and he said, and Howard Howard Bryan, I think, was gave the most brilliant analysis of everybody, and he said, it's because in the NFL you can do anything and still play. It doesn't matter what you do. Uh, you know, I sent you the, the the kid that played for Miami that just got got suspended. This kid got arrested three times in three months. Mark Walton. He got arrested three times in three months, was cut by the Bengals, and still signed by the Dolphins. Okay? Um, the, the kid that's now in trouble because the, the white girl, a mixed girl or whatever she was, OD'd in his apartment. The Redskins safety, I can't remember his name. He just, uh, uh, the, the, girl, the girl OD'd in his apartment. He and his friend took her to the, um, took her to the emergency room, and she died. And they, they left her in the emergency room. And so, but last year, this guy was in a brawl. He knocked somebody out. Now, he might have been defending himself. I don't know. But, but to, Howard, to what Howard, Howard Bryant's point is that you can do anything and play as long as you're not advocating anything that goes against the power, the power structure, the NFL's uh, deep relationship with uh, the police and the military. I mean, I mean, it's, it looks unless like you, unless you Ray Rice. But I'll say this: I, st- I think that Kaepernick, if you if you did what you said on Saturday, you correct it. Probably, I agree with you. I think it would have died down. But I also think this: he received that wave of information at least forty-eight hours before all this took place. So I felt like if he would have got that information out early, then it would have gave the media members a chance to start pushing that out 
and put pressure on the NFL to actually change the terms of the agreement or push the workout back to another date until they come up with, then the saga would have continued even on longer. By the media, uh, you're referring to... Like all of the, the sports the shows. Traditional like, media? No, the sports shows that get all the ratings, you know, the uh, Undisputed and the First Takes and the... Okay. And the, uh, whatever White Lock show is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Those shows would have been able to, to do segments on it and say... You know, Kaepernick has, has responded back to the NFL with this. Uh-huh. You know, then Kaepernick, even, he could, even could have put the pressure on Jay-Z. He could have said, look, you setting this up. We know you behind the scenes working with these uh, with these people. For your own benefit. Right. This is why this is why we not showing up. Mm-hmm. So either you change the agreement, push it, push it, push the workout to another date when, when the agreement is changed. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think what was, yeah, I think what was, I think what they were doing is his lawyers were trying to negotiate with the NFL right up to the last minute, uh, trying to, trying to get them to change the waiver. Because I think, I think if they changed the waiver, even if he didn't know the receiver, even if he didn't trust Hugh Jackson or whoever, he probably would have gone, he would have gone through if they, if they had changed the waiver. Um, and so, you know, we don't know all of the details because, you know, his camp is being very savvy in the way they, the, the way, the, the way they're handling this. Well, see, the NFL, to me, the, the biggest key indicator that they were, that this was a setup was that they wouldn't allow any other camera uh, men to be there. Oh yeah. There was plenty of like, indications. Even, there was out, a lot of indications that. Even that, outside of the waiver, of mm-hmm. course, the waiver was their way of. You know, basically legally getting him to give up his rights and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But like you said, if the waiver was different, or, or or even they still had the waiver, and they say, you know what, you could come in, you could film your own workout. Mm-hmm. I think that if they would have just said that, he probably would or went and attended the workout. Yeah, yeah, he he, he very he very well may have. I mean, because he certainly obviously. Obviously, he has no trust in these guys. Justifiably, so. yeah, justifiably. I mean, he couldn't trust them to uh, to publish, uh, you know, everything. They they could have edited it and and done all kinds of things with the. T- I mean, there was every indication. First of all, you 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 call a guy on Tuesday, and tell him we we scheduling a workout for you on Saturday. When they at the when they called Kaepernick's team on Tuesday. They hadn't even contacted the NFL's teams. They hadn't even contacted any team in the NFL mm-hmm. to tell them, you know, what what they were doing. I mean, so I mean, I think I think this whole thing was 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 uh, concocted by Roger Goodell and Jay Z. Jay Z trying to save face, cause Rihanna and all these other people are like saying, "No, I'm not dealing with you mm-hmm. on this." You know, I'm sticking with Kaepernick, uh-huh. and and so and so they they came up with a scheme. That they thought they thought that 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 they would be able to trap Kaepernick, and say, "Well, look, he look, this is a horrible workout. He ain't in shape. Blank, blank, blank." And oh, by the way, now we got him by the balls because he can't file no more legal action against him because he signed but the even, waiver. But but even even outside of the waiver, if they went to court right now, the NFL would say, "Hey." We gave him a workout. He didn't show up. We had 25 teams there. 
So how can someone collude against you when you don't show up? Yeah, I mean that, that that's the that 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 certainly would that certainly would be one risk. Uh, Even outside of the way, a judge still has to decide that collusion take place. You you signed your settlement. You agreed to settle for money. Mm-hmm. So you basically said, "I'll walk away from any type of collusion." At that point, why play? Walk away from the game. Well, that, that, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't know, and I'm not going to pretend to know. Uh, it has been said that that form of public adoration could be a man's worst enemy. I used to ask myself that about uh, the great Muhammad Ali. You know, why go on after the Manila Thriller? You know, uh, perhaps it's the euphoria. You know, perhaps it's a euphoria unlike anything that you've experienced. Uh, or will experience, uh, you know, me to a limited degree, uh, it is a heck of a drop between the roar of the crowd and, you know, just death silence. Mm-hmm. It's just a heck of a transition. Well, see, you know, I think, I think... I, but I, I don't know, I'm just speculating. Yeah, I, think they, I think that they shot themselves in the foot by creating a waiver for him that no player in the history of the NFL has had to sign. Well, that's, I mean, another reason that is, is because, and listen to somebody else say this, the NFL has never had an official workout for one player. So they could say, hey, this is our first time doing this. We're not a team, so we can't guarantee you employment by other teams, so of course we're going to put that in the waiver. Mm-hmm. That's what they could say in court. The NFL could say, you know, when have we ever had a workout for one player. Usually teams work players out themselves. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I've, I've always wondered why why not go to the Canadian League? Right. If you yeah. if you love football yeah. that much. Yeah. Why not go to the Canadian League? But uh, it's... And, and if you went there and showed you can play, that's when you would really be able to show that it was it, it was a collusion case against you because your skills would be on on live display. You don't think the media would go cover Kaepernick games in the Canadian League if you wouldn't play there? Of course they would. Yeah, but they can the always would... say the Canadian rules are different. The field is wider. I mean, they got but all kind had, of. I mean, they got you... they got they got all kind of. You you've had uh, you've, you've had, had quarterbacks a, that have come from that. Yeah, like you've Kurt, had Kurt Warner play. You've had you've had you've had a handful of you know Warren Moon. Yeah. You've got you've had a handful of quarterbacks that 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 came from there. And then you had some really really good quarterbacks that played in the, in the Canadian League and never got a chance to play like Damon Allen. Marcus Allen's brother. Mm-hmm. So that's I mean, that's no guarantee. I mean, I think I think it still boils down to the fact that what Colin Kaepernick his what Colin Kaepernick did, he struck a nerve because in the United States, entertainment is the opiate of the masses. Mm-hmm. You do not bring politics or mm. whatever into a situation that that people are using as an escape valve. It's a form of medication. You don't bring to, black black politics. Yeah, you don't bring black politics yeah. into it. I mean, you know, you yeah. can bring Papa John's, you can jump into Papa John's thing or whatever. You can do all that kind of you can bring you can bring the the uh you know you, you got I mean I've seen so much camouflage over the past month with the 
these coaches on the sideline. I mean, you can bring the military in there and all that. You can you can bring those kind of politics, but you can't bring protest politics in there, particularly politics that that um, that are affecting people that you have a, a strenuous, a serious relationship with. You know, like law enforcement. Yes, so, sir. and so what he was doing, he was violating. He was violating a code that says, you know, this is why we this is why we pay y'all all this money. We pay y'all to entertain. We don't pay y'all to, to to get people refocused on uh Tamir Rice getting shot down in the street and <laughs> And that's what and that's the way entertain like you said, that's the way entertainment is across the board. In all, arenas, and 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 and, 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 and that's why Jay Z is a millionaire. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, you know, you start off selling drugs, and now you're now, now you're a millionaire because because entertainment is the opiate of the masses. That's why Stephen A. Smith gets paid eight million dollars a year by by ESPN, and Kaepernick was bringing uh, this issue, the issue of state sponsored violence, mm-hmm. into that arena where they don't want anybody focused on anything other than this, this we we are giving people this drug mm-hmm. and we want them to be high for you know some people turn on the tv i mean i used to, i used to be an addict myself mm-hmm. uh, turn on tv at one o'clock yeah turn the tv off at 11 30. shoot man and, and after when, the last game and when they st- and when they came out with the uh nfl today and all these other these pre programs, if you know the pre programs used to come on, uh, Brent Musburger and Herb Cross, Jane Kennedy used to come on oh, at, yeah. at twelve o'clock. Jimmy the Greek and the game, Jimmy the Greek and the games would come on at one o'clock. Now, these these uh, networks start broadcasting the NFL early on Sunday morning. I don't know what time they start because I, I I don't I don't watch it, but. But I mean, I know they got TV shows on talking about what's going to be happening in the NFL as early as ten, as early as as, as ten a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, on on a Sunday, and so people start watching it. Some people start watching the NFL at ten a.m. on Sunday, and they don't stop until midnight when the final Sunday night game is going off. Mm-hmm. It is it is it is a huge, huge, huge entertainment force in this country. And entertainment is the opiate of the masses. It's you, the biggest revenue bringer of all sports. Well, but but from a, from a historical sociological standpoint, you are still dealing with the white supremacist perception that you're ungrateful. You know, you're talking about the Orange Caligula, Khan Don, never really attacked uh, Greg Popovich or Steve Kerr uh, in the wake of their critique of him. He'll attack Jamil Hill, you're ungrateful. He'll attack Colin Kaepernick, you're ungrateful. Mm-hmm. I have been told that I was ungrateful, mm-hmm. you know, as an amateur athlete, as well as some of my teammates. You know, the perception that you don't deserve it. That's the it, white supremacist, like that you is said. The that's white the white supremacist, supremacist mentality, mindset. man. Mm-hmm. And Colin Kaepernick, he's a quarterback, man. He ain't the only one who kneeled. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the brother here in Charlotte who kneeled. You got the brother in Miami, the wide receiver. You see, Cap is the only one that he took it to another level with really pissing them off. Well, it was funny, you know. I got a laugh out of it when he wore the Fidel Castro T-shirt. 
Yeah. When he wore the pig socks. Yeah, and, and that's know. what Kellerman actually oversteps his uh, knowledge base. Right. You know, when he makes disparaging. He knows very little about the Cuban Revolution and the role of Castro, you know, in overturning a corrupt system. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he said some good stuff. But he still said some stuff that indicated the fact that he I mean, was he's still He's still saying that his ancestors was enslaved in Egypt. Yeah, well, you know, uh, that was straightened out by Anwar Sadat when Jimmy Carter and Menachem Begin years ago, you know, had a summit there. And, uh, uh, you know, Sadat, uh, well, Jimmy Carter made the comment, isn't it uh, great to be in a spot where uh, Mr. Begin erected these pyramids and Sadat, Sadat by no means... Uh, a radical killed by his own troops made the statement, we have no record of that in our history. Yeah. Books, but, uh, you so know. So Dr. Mother was a Nubian. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, well, I, clearly. Because yeah, he said, I'm the first true Pharaoh in yeah. 2,000 yeah, yeah. years. <laughs> clearly, clearly, yeah. So, uh, you know, you got the intertwine of sports, politics, sociology, white supremacy. It's all engulfing, all encompassing. Uh, as Dr. Wilson told us, in every area of human activity, we're talking about entertainment. You know, white supremacy, uh, you know, clearly is a variable in uh, what's happened to this uh, brother called uh, Kaepernick. But, uh, you know, the, the brothers out there, you know, not you, brother, who criticize him, you know, it's, it's like I've seen you sell out for less. Mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, I, some of his fiercest critics here in Charlotte, I know for a fact have sold out for less. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, you know, the moment the truth arrives, I'm quoting Dr. Amos, when you're willing to confront whatever situation you're involved in to at least attempt to realize the courage of your convictions. Yeah, I just, yeah. like I said, I just feel as though um, with the money he has, the level of conscience that he should have reached at this point. Yeah. He should know, okay, it's time to give it up, man. You know, it's time to walk away. It's time to walk away from the system. Let them have their system mm-hmm. because they're going to continue to have it. They're going to continue to have that system. Um, I wanted to talk about this Mason Rudolph thing before okay. we close out. I know we run out of time. But um, for those of you who saw the fight that took place between Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett, now, first off, even before Mason Rudolph was accused of calling Miles Garrett the N-word or whatever racial slur that he used, when I initially saw the fight take place, initially, I said, I looked at uh, Marquise Pouncey mm. running in to save Mason Rudolph from this situation. And I said, it's nothing is nothing that any black man could do or say that would make me come to the defense of a white person to beat this brother down. Nothing. Because when I think about that situation to me, yeah, I play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. In this case, I'm speaking as, as Marquise Pounce. I play for the for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but first, I'm a black man. Now we know he's a mulatto, so maybe that has something to do with his decision. 
socialization does come from the mother. <laughs> <laughs> but me as a black me as a black man, I'm not going to run in there to defend a white person. The most I can do for you is try to break the fight up. Is uh, he was a severe critic of Kaepernick. You know, he said that he was a loyal American patriot. So, no, no. <laughs> so we I see where his allegiance goes. I don't think anything should be, anybody yeah. should be surprised by what Pounce said. But if you look at the instigation of the whole thing and how it took place, okay, so number one, we know Mason Rudolph is, is, is from Rock Hill, South Carolina. So it's a very high probability that he grew up around people Constantly using the N-word. He probably used it throughout his life. Um, you probably heard it played in the locker room. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> but then you he have some a, Negroes playing Lil Wayne or something in the locker room, I'm sure. If you look at the video, when, when, when uh, Miles Garrett tackles him and they fall to the ground, and then Mason Rudolph is on, is on top of him, reaching for his helmet and trying to rip his helmet off, you can see at that point that... Miles Garrett just flips. So something was said. Something was said to trigger him to the point of no return where he took off the helmet of Mason Rudolph and then hit him upside the head with the helmet. Now people can say what they want, but anybody who's, who is prideful in themselves, when they get called the N-word by a white person, you know that you can go to any limit, probably to the, to even killing that person. Yeah, you become homicidal, man. Mm -hmm. But brothers call each other that on the football field every week. Mm -hmm. And I think that that whole situation, when you when you freeze the footage and you see how he's on top of him, something is said, then all of a sudden this outrage takes place. He takes off his helmet. Now, the two people that were standing close to the situation, uh, I forgot the, the uh, offensive lineman's name, but neither of them were black. So you have these two white guys, and you have Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett. Mm -hmm. And then Miles Garrett swings the helmet. In comes Maurice Pouncey. Mm -hmm. Kicking. Punching, kicking, tackling. Yeah, somebody tackled uh, Garrett before that. That's how he got mm -hmm. on the ground. Mm -hmm. Running in to save. Mm -hmm. He kicking the man in the head. Yeah. And his suspension got reduced. Now, Pouncey's suspension, he, they gave him three games and it got reduced. Now, what would happen if Pouncey, what would happen if the NFL was able to capture the footage inside of one of those helmets, the audio of uh Miles of uh Mason Rudolph using the word. Now they say the NFL today said that they didn't have any audio. I don't believe the NFL. No. Because no. this is not something that they would want to be want to be released. Yeah. No. You know, it's, easy, see, it, it's easier it, for them to just To me, in my opinion, whether he said it or not, he should have been uh Mason Rudolph should have been suspended. Yeah. He should have he should have been suspended. But the point I, the, the point I wanted to make was with Pouncey is that you rush in here to defend a white person is in a fight with a black person. Yeah, it's your teammate. But how do you feel the next week if the audio comes out and, and he called them the N-word? Pastor probably say I'm an American patriot. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> you, you, you know, brother, it, it's, you know, in this whole situation and many of the names that we've talked about, I can think of no one who occupies pristine space. 
Uh, we talked about Shannon Sharp. I remember he justifying, well, not justifying, but. Uh, I think he was suffering Becky-itis. Becky-itis. Okay, you had a linebacker from the Denver Broncos spit on J.J. Stokes, and he said, let's move on. I've seen Terrell what, Owens. What about Romanowski? That's that's the case I'm talking about. But then, but then even beyond that, what what look what Romanowski did at the when he was playing with the Raiders, in the training camp. Talk to us about it. Uh, he got in a fight with one of the brothers out there and broke his jaw. Mm-hmm. And nothing nothing happened. I tell you what, let's 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 reverse the roles because I know we run out of time. If J.J. Watt tackles Cam Newton, and they're on the ground. And Cam Newton starts trying to pull J.J. Watt's hat, uh, helmet off. And then J.J. Watt swings the helmet, Cam Newton's helmet, and hits Cam Newton upside the head. Mm-hmm. Do you think Cam Newton would have been suspended for initiating the fight when he was laying on the ground? No, absolutely. He would have definitely been, he would have definitely been suspended. Michael Vick would have been suspended. I can think of a number of of players who 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 would have been suspended under under those circumstances, and they chose not to. They they chose to throw the book at Miles Garrett, a guy without any previous uh, violations or anything, uh, as far as far as I know. Well, let's look at let's look at uh, who remembers Raleigh Cooper, the Eagles wide receiver who University of Florida. No, no, no. The Eagles wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but he was using the N-word. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. bad. In a, in that, a, that's in, right. In, he ran up to the camera bar. and yeah. he, he ran up to the camera. He said, I'll fight every N-word in here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Video release, kept, no suspension. Kept playing. No suspension. Kept, mm-hmm. Well, the NFL obviously doesn't have a problem with the N-word because when, 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 uh, you know, when, when Jay-Z did his buck dance with Roger Goodell, Kenny Stills, who now that I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to throw out the baby with the bash, with the bath water with uh, Michael Bennett because, you know, he's been a very positive brother. But he's on Jerry Jones' plantation now, and he decided, you know, the players ask him, look, we stand in Dallas. So he, but Kenny Stills is perhaps, uh, he and Albert Wilson are probably the, and Eric Reed. Eric Reed is obviously the most conscious. Eric Reed, in my opinion, is way more conscious than, Ka- than Kaepernick. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about miles above Kaepernick in terms of in terms of his consciousness. Yeah, he don't he don't have somebody writing the script for him. Yeah, I mean, uh, Eric Eric Reed is like, but Kenny Stills is right there, and so Kenny Stills, who, who Kenny Stills had already criticized his owner. I think Marshawn Lynch more more conscious than Kaepernick. But yeah. Go ahead. Kenny Stills had criticized his owner, the owner of the Dolphins. I can't think of what the guy's name is, because the the, the owner of the Dolphins was hosting a dinner, two hundred dollar plate dinner for Trump. Mm-hmm. And Kenny Stills said, "You can't speak out of both sides of your mouth. You can't claim that you for social justice and then you in the room with this guy." Uh, what player criticizes his owner? I mean, Kaepernick didn't do that, but. So he was still with the Dolphins when when Jay when Jay Z did his buck dance, and he and Kenny Stills criticized Jay Z. So the next day at practice, uh, the Dolphins coach, what's the name? Michael Flores. Flores, yeah, he from Columbia somewhere. Anyway, uh, 
He plays the start of the of the practice that day, the very next day after uh, Kenny Stills did this. He plays eight Jay-Z songs in a row over the loudspeaker. One of the songs he was playing over the loudspeaker was this song that uh, Jay-Z and Cartrashian uh, uh, West put out called uh, Ends in Paris. Uh, there was another song. I went through the lyrics because mm. I don't know these songs, right? I don't, I don't, I don't know them. So I got to go through the lyrics. I go through the lyrics. I see the end. Here's Jay-Z rapping. N-word, N-word, N-word. And the coach, the head coach of the Dolphins is playing this music over the loudspeaker. Did the NFL say anything about that? So I, I I'm, if I, if, if Mason Rudolph said it, what would, what position would they take? They wouldn't take, they would take no position, but I know we have run out of time. I did want to talk about the Berlin Conference, but we'll get that next week. So, uh, the African Liberation Media, we have had a stimulating conversation as it relates to the intertwine between race, sports, politics, of BB48. 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 Power or the lack of power. I want to repeat this. Power or the lack of power. If your education in this institution is not about gaining real power, not jobs, because your jobs do not represent power. Not getting elected, that does not represent power either. You are buying your houses and fine clothes, does not represent power either. If it is not about real power, you are being miseducated and misled, and you will die educated and misled. If your study of black history is merely an exercise in feeling good about yourself, then you will die feeling good. The study of history then must be more than the pumping up of your self-esteem and the pumping up of your pride. Those things are important, but ultimately those things are not the means by which we will save ourselves as people in this world.